Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to Illuminate Greatness. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited because I'm here with Sarah Harvey. She is the founder and CEO of Intelligence. She is the former COO of the Chopra Center. She is a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach and Chopra Center certified instructor in meditation and mind body health. And I think the timing is so perfect because as we head into 2020, which already feels like we're way into it, but it's still February, which I can't believe January just really kicked my butt. I don't know what's happening. I think so many of us are focused on how we're going to take our life to the next level. At least I know I am. And it's not just professionally, it's personally as well. I get overwhelmed sometimes with the vision I have of all the things that I want to achieve. And sometimes we need people like Sarah, if not always. I always say you can't live without a coach, but not everybody subscribes to that. So I am here to share with you all of the grace and experience and intelligence and all of it that Sarah brings to the table that has really impacted my life in a profound way. So thanks for being here. I'm so happy to have you, Sarah. Thank you, Jen. I'm really excited to be here. And our friendship goes back a long time. So It's really an honor to be a part of illuminating greatness here in downtown San Diego. Awesome. Well, I am so grateful. I met Sarah years ago, which I think is such an incredible demonstration of your leadership because I was going through a really pivotal time in my career and in my life. And somebody introduced me to Sarah at a Chopra Center women's event and I asked her to have coffee with me and she agreed. And I was just so grateful for the time that you took and you really impacted my life that day and gave me so much hope. And really all the things that we talked about came to fruition. And I just feel so inspired and grateful on that day in particular. One of the reasons I was so motivated to meet with you is because I feel like you're one of those people who has truly achieved greatness. You have done the dream. You've experienced it. I think running the Chopra Center for how many years? Seven years as the COO. Seven years is what a lot of people are aspiring to do. I mean, that is their dream job. Something like that where you're transforming lives and reaching the far corners of the globe is a dream. And so I just feel so inspired to talk about what you're doing now because I think you have an opportunity to help so many people. And when you were at the Chopra Center, I don't think that many people had the opportunity to really learn from you directly, whereas now this is the time. What inspired you to take this huge leap? So your career moves along, and my career started at American Airlines, so I had about 13 years of traditional corporate leadership, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth and I learned what I know about corporate leadership. And through a series of events, I ended up in San Diego and working for Deepak Chopra. And I started in the year 2000. And so for- How did you come into an opportunity like that? 
Well, believe it or not, I moved to San Diego for a guy, which didn't work out, but that's okay <laughs> that's because okay. the Chopra Center worked out. You always out. have to follow love, right? <laughs> love start is, with love. Start, with, start love. with love. Anyway, so th- this was the year 2000 and there was just a little director of sales and marketing post in the newspaper because that's how we used to find jobs back then. Yes. I applied only because I wanted to ride my bike to work. I was living in the village of La Jolla, California. <laughs> you can't tell people that. It's true though. And I barely had heard of Deepak. I didn't do yoga. I didn't meditate, but I applied for this job so that I could ride my bike to work because how cool is it to live in La Jolla and ride your bike to work? And believe it or not, they hired me. And I think they were looking for a little bit of business acumen. There was a big contingency of beautiful spiritual souls and they wanted to balance that out with a little business acumen. And then they were sold because they're like, she loves activity. She's going to ride her bike to work. Yeah. She's healthy. <laughs> so she's will convert her over. No problem. I started and I wondered what planet I had landed on and what language they were speaking because everything was foreign. There was Sanskrit words being thrown around, but little by little, I got my own mantra and I learned to meditate, practice yoga. I went to the seminars and came to understand Deepak Chopra and his teachings, and I fell in love with it. I thought, you know what? This is kind of what I think anyway. This is really in alignment with who I am as a person. It's a little bit different language, but I really came to embrace it and love it. And that's how I, I found the Chopra Center. That is so incredible. I had no idea. I guess I've never asked that question before. So that's wonderful. And now you're doing intelligence. Tell me about what intelligence means. Yes. Where did you come up with this word and what are you doing? What's your why? Everything we do is a reflection of where we've been, isn't it? And all the experiences we've had and everything, the learnings that we've accumulated in our lives. And so I think intelligence was born out of all of that, everything that my past has led me to. And the idea is that We all already have all the intelligence and wisdom and know-how inside of us that we need to be the most fulfilled human beings, the most extraordinary leaders that we can be. But we spend a lot of time pointing our finger outward, saying, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I want to know that. I want to know this. And if we just spent a little bit more time going inward, what we'd realize is that we already have all the resources, all the wisdom, all the knowledge that we need to be everything that we want to be. But we've got to go inside to find that. So intelligence is rooted in the philosophy, before you go out, go in. And so that comes that to is so powerful. Yeah. So it's like it comes to life in a way that, you know, before you're going to give a big talk, before you're going to apply for a job, before you're going to have a baby, before you're going to get married, take some time to go inside and see how you feel about it. See what your gut instinct tells you. See what your heart says about that. Notice what your thoughts are telling you. What talents do you have to draw from? So these are all tools for us that if we just went in and used them, we'd actually find the answers that we need. I think that's so powerful. The times in my business that I've made the biggest mistakes have been when I've been influenced by somebody outside. And usually it was so inconspicuous. It's like a lunch, a very brief conversation where 
I'm swept away by somebody else's path Mm -hmm. that is right for them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, sometimes a few months, sometimes a year later, you're slightly off track. And then when you tune in, you say, whoa, how did I get here? And it's like you can always find that moment where things shifted and then you have to navigate back. And I think what you are committed to is so important for people who are in a position to constantly be making decisions. Yes, yes. Well, leadership is born out of knowingness. It's born out of gut instinct. And sometimes when we're so busy asking others what we should do, we miss the messages that our our gut instinct is giving us. And when we fail to trust those messages, that's sometimes when I think we get off on the wrong path. So what do you think is the biggest issue with people trusting that inner voice? What do we need to do in order to feel connected to it instead of defiant of it? Hmm. So we have to listen. It's that simple. Like you have to go inside and listen. So find that time every day to create quiet space. Could be meditation. It could be the run you take every day. It could be the swim you take every day. It could be a a hobby. Something where you can set yourself aside during the day and just go in and listen. And people will say, oh, I can't listen because there's so many thoughts and there's so much noise up there. I can't listen. But if you just make it a practice, just make it a practice. And again, 10 minutes is okay. It doesn't have to be a half hour or an hour. Ideally it should be, but if you don't think you have the time, don't let that be the excuse. Find 10 minutes to go inside and just listen to that inner voice. It tends to get buried underneath our thoughts, right? But when we can just quiet down and create a little tiny opening or a little tiny space, the answer usually rises. I know for me, my answers rise in meditation, they rise in the pool because I'm a swimmer. They rise in the shower. So the shower is it's such magic, a right? Magical place. <laughs> and for me, when I'm walking or jogging, Same. I feel like that grounding experience of stomping your feet repetitively creates yeah. some real awarenesses. It's like I can tell when I'm avoiding the voice because it usually means some big changes and things, yeah. some work that has to be done, right? Well, I think what they find is that great leaders wander. They wander, they go and walk aimlessly, whether it's on the beach, downtown, in a park, they just walk without purpose because that is something that creates that inner space and that quiet. We're lucky here in San Diego because we can head right over to the beach. It's endless long beaches that you can just wander. That helps to find that gut instinct. That helps to find your true north and settle into who you know you're meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I need to do more walking. <laughs> walking I actually just realized a couple weeks ago we moved up to North County, and my inner voice let me know that I'm in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And the next day, my husband and I came down and we went on a walk downtown. Little Italy is our home yeah. that we know to be our home in San Diego. And we went on a walk, and it was one of those aimless, mm-hmm. wandering around and it was so beautiful but we all came to the conclusion including our six-year-old that we need to get back down here yeah so we're working through that but for me sometimes it's big pivotal changes that turn everything upside down and I think it's so good though and when you make those choices you get to the place that you need to be and they're not always big changes like that 
Who's the right client for you? Who would benefit the most from having these services and this kind of coaching? The group that I'm most passionate about is the group I like to call the sandwich group. So this is the employee or leader who is between manager and VP primarily is what I would say. That group has some big challenges because they have to manage up well to their manager, down to their employees, and side to side to their peers. And generally there's an area of struggle in one of those communication channels. That group of people is the future of the company. So I feel like by really working with and coaching and helping and doing team trainings with that level of employee, there's a big impact to the future of the company. It's common that organizations will give coaching to C-suite employees, which is great. But what I highly recommend is an investment in the next tier down because those are the people that are going to run the company in the future. So by investing in them, helping that sandwich group be able to be excellent managers, directors, and VPs, I think is a really there's a really big payoff for the company. I think that's an incredible target, specifically because for my agency, for example, it's smaller. It is the only way that I'll ever be able to step away is to have a really strong leadership team. And it's not always intuitive, at least for myself and some of my peers to think of it that way. And as a owner or founder of a company, you seek out coaching, but those people don't always seek it out. So I think it's such a huge opportunity. Tell me a little bit about what you have going on. I know you have a couple of workshops that are happening. Do you want to share a little bit about those and what people can expect and how people can actually get involved? Yes, I do. So one of them is a workshop that I am co-creating, co-facilitating, co-producing. So I have a big role in this one. It's called Inspire. And it's a women's leadership workshop. We're holding it in Cleveland. So it's not here in San Diego, but Cleveland, Ohio. It's going to be May 14th and 15th. And it's going to be for less than 100 women. So it's not a massive conference. It's actually an intimate workshop where we are going to take women on a journey from what it means to experience private leadership or leadership of self, personal leadership, so leadership of those around you and your teams, and then leadership of organizations, and then beyond. What comes after that, right? So it's it's really about the holistic approach to leadership. My piece is to help the women learn to go inside themselves and to find the tools that they have there to become great leaders, whether it be their breath or their heart or their the soul-to-soul connections that they can make with people. My partner, Tracy Fisher, who's a wellness coach out of Cleveland, she will be working on well-being and wellness with the attendees, as well as action planning. And then we have a couple of panelists and keynotes that will focus on professional leadership how to bring women greater levels of confidence, decision-making, communication enhancements. So really it's looking at the holistic woman and bringing them to the next level of their leadership. So I just want to encourage anyone that wants to get more details on that, you can visit inspireleaderexcellence.com, inspireleaderexcellence.com for more information on that. And again, that's going to be May 14th and 15th in Cleveland. And then April 3rd, I will be speaking at a junior league event called Leadership X. It's a one-day event here in San Diego, and I will be 
most likely speaking on Gallup strengths and bringing that to the table as far as leadership is concerned. So those are the two things I have coming up in addition to my coaching and consulting and and everything else I have going in my business. That sounds incredible. I definitely recommend both of these opportunities. Share a little bit about Gallup Strengths. What do people need to know about that? You've shared a lot with me and I have done it in the past. And I notice actually that when I do any kind of strength finder, I have been shifting and different Mm -hmm. things that happen in my life will cause me to become a different leader. And can you share a little bit about that? Like why people should be doing a Gallup Strength Finder, why, how they can apply it. Mm-hmm. So Gallup Strength Finder is the old name, which they've oh, now I'm changed. Sorry. It's okay, because they've actually just changed the name to a Gallup Clifton Strengths. So the founder is a gentleman named Don Clifton. And so in order to honor Don, they've built oh, that's they've, so nice. they've put the name in. So it's the Clifton Strengths now instead of Strengths Finder. But you hear them used interchangeably quite a bit. So I got my Clifton Strengths five years ago. And when I first got my strengths, I'm going to tell you, I didn't have a good experience with it. I, yeah, my, elaborate, my, my top five, yeah, I'm going to elaborate. My top five strengths were learner, achiever, harmony, input, and positivity. Now I was the COO at the Chopra Center at that point, And I looked at those and I said, uh-oh, Those are not the leadership strengths that I should be seeing. I should be seeing strategic, command, self-assurance, developer, all these ones that I had assigned as As important as the correct leadership talents, right? Isn't that interesting that we label, even we're looking at a strength fighter. We don't have the right strengths. These are, it's so crazy how we are so hard on ourselves. So what I came to understand is that I actually misunderstood my strengths. And every, there's a list of 34 strengths that you get when you take the assessment and they put them in rank order. Every single one of those are leadership traits. It's really just about how and why you go about doing what you do. Somebody who has high achiever, high learner, high input has just as much ability to be an amazing leader as somebody that has high strategic, high command, high self-assurance. So I had to reorient myself around the meaning of these talents. But once I did that, I actually fell in love with my talents. And it was then that I became a real strengths fanatic and I went and got certified. There's been over 22 million people who have taken the Gallup Clifton Strengths Assessment. So it's really a bit of a movement. And the idea is focusing on what's right about people as opposed to focusing on what's wrong with them. Doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to their weaknesses. You need to do that. You gotta manage your weaknesses, no question. But the quantum leap that you can take in productivity and engagement and excellence by focusing on your strengths is second to nothing, is second to none. So I just really want to say it is a powerful, powerful tool to use to step into the leader that you're meant to be using the most natural gifts and talents that you already have accessible to you. That's why I love it as a part of intelligence, right? Because another aspect of our intelligence are our talents. So when we begin to recognize what they are and cultivate them and utilize them as a part of our leadership talents and our leadership approach, we begin to feel at ease. Mm-hmm. We begin to feel more natural in who we are as leaders. It's an approach that feels right to people. That's so interesting. How often should somebody take an assessment? Because I've noticed just in all the work that I've done, 
in releasing things that don't serve me, including behaviors of mine that I haven't liked in the past, like maybe showing up as a Ginsu knife when sometimes I need to show up as a butter knife. (laughs) Good example. um, I have to give credit to a friend of mine who gave me that example one day. She's like, you're being a butter knife and you need to come in like a Ginsu knife, Jen. And in the past, actually, you don't always show up prepared for the right situation. Right. And as I've done a lot of work, I've changed. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that made me really successful when I was younger was that I was a yes ma'am. How quickly would you like it, even if it meant staying up all night to do it? So it was great in the climbing years of my career. And then once I was running my own company, I needed to create boundaries. So learning those skills, I would test completely different than I would have years ago. What is your recommendation for that? So what we find is that when you took the assessment for the first time, if you were in a place of not in crisis, I would say. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have something going on like a big divorce or you were in major flux in your life. You can take it again, right? And you may see some movement in the talents like up and down a little bit. But the truth is you are who you are at your core. Who you are DNA wise is who you're always going to be DNA wise. So it's actually not recommended to take it again and again and again. Interesting. If you took it and you were in major crisis or your life has dramatically changed since the last time you took it, it's okay to retake it. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you take it a second time or a third time, you bring biases Mm -hmm. into the assessment because now you have an idea of what the talents are and you're like, I really want more of this talent. So maybe I'm going to answer the question that way. Even if it's subtle and subconscious, that bias comes into play when you take an assessment again and again. So I know I took it years ago. I'm going to have to look for those files and and see. Yeah, that's interesting. And it makes sense. I know sometimes when I'm taking those types of tests where they're asking the questions that are hard to answer, you're like, all of these are a strength or all of these are a weakness or whatever it may be. It's so hard. And I know it's in that like deep subtlety that you guys get the answer. It's so interesting. Well, one thing is that like, I like to think of the talents sort of like if you think about a banana and the maturity process of a banana, so it starts out very green, right? When it's harder and it's not as sweet as it could be. And then eventually it starts turning more and more yellow until finally it gets to a point where it's actually brown and bruised and it's not so delicious anymore. Strengths are exactly that same way, right? First, they start out sort of raw and unpracticed. And then as you begin to bring attention to them and you practice them, they become more and more refined. And that's when they really serve you. But you can overuse a strength too, which is what you were talking about Mm -hmm. with the Ginsu knife versus the butter knife. You don't want to overuse or underuse your talents. You want to find that sweet spot where they show up and they serve, right? They serve you, they serve the organization, they serve your team. And that takes practice. Practice. Totally. So interesting. What are some of the common challenges that you're noticing right now that people are facing? There's a multitude of them, but I would say one, communication is always a struggle, always, because what I have found is that 99% of any struggle that's occurring generally roots back to some kind of communication problem. Mm-hmm. So that is always rising. I coach a lot of women and I would say courage and confidence to have the tough conversations is something that rises so hard. a lot. Yeah, it's hard for all well, of you don't us, wanna, I think. In leadership, you don't want to be the person who, even though I think as a leader, you're creating the line, you're making the decision or taking the action that's necessary 
it's still hard to not be accountable for all the things that led up to that moment and to keep people accountable for their actions. I struggle with it no matter what. I hate to have to discipline people. I wish that everybody was self-disciplined, (laughs) self-determined. I don't understand. (laughs) That part is the most difficult thing. I'm a very self-determined person, so it's hard for me to see that reflected back when somebody isn't. I almost don't know how to work with them. Well, that's why leadership isn't for everybody, right? Because leadership is a tough job and it requires doing things that get us out of our comfort zone. Always, It requires that we're vulnerable. It requires that we're transparent. And these are all things that we're personally working on ourselves. And then we're trying to infuse those learnings into our team members as well. But it's not easy, right? But we have to find the place where we get the guts. We have the courage to step forward because I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever moved forward and had that tough conversation and addressed such a relief. It's such a relief. It's never as bad as I thought it was going to be. It, it's such a relief. The person is so grateful to be spoken to and have a one-to-one, totally. honest, transparent conversation. But we tend to work it up so big in our minds that it becomes scary. It's so true. I still sometimes hold my breath. Like I write <laughs> the bullet points and then I just... I try and work through the emotions with a coach or my husband or somebody else so that by the time I get into the conversation, I'm just going through the motions because yeah. I it's like it takes your breath away, you're sweating, it your does. heart's beating, and then they respond with, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I've been worried about this conversation for weeks, and you're like, yeah. yeah, I know this. How come I didn't do it sooner? Yeah. It's For some reason, that is the hardest part. I really don't like that part of it, but... I've gotten a lot better. I mean, I remember in the beginning of running my business, it's like I'd have to lay on the ground and breathe Mm -hmm. and like go Mm -hmm. for a run and do all these things to like physically move it through. And now it's like write the bullet points, take a deep breath and speak it out. But And I think also when we look at what story are we telling ourselves about confrontation and conflict? Are we saying it's bad? I'm hurting people. It's painful. If that's the story we're telling ourselves, then that's what it becomes. But if we can actually shift out that story to something more positive, like I'm here to create the best possible outcome for my employee and my organization. I'm here to support this person in developing who they are. When we change the story around what conflict, confrontation, and facing tough conversations mean, then that's the energy we bring to that conversation. And actually we create a better outcome because of it. I totally agree with you. I always ask my question, what is the most loving thing I could do right now? And if somebody is struggling in a position, for example, the most loving thing that I could do is help them find a new opportunity that's a best fit for them. Or if something isn't working out and it's keeping me away from my family. Mm-hmm. The most loving thing I could do for my children is to fix the situation and to move on and to support that person. And for me, if I can answer that question authentically and it drives the next step, that then is when I feel confident to take action. But when I am stuck in the, I'm going to hurt them mm-hmm. or this is going to hurt their self-esteem mm-hmm. or you know, I want to be a lamplighter, not destroy people's self-confidence and self-love. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> I don't have that much power anyway. And I think that <laughs> is kind of the joke on us, right? It is like, a joke on us. Put your ego in check. They're going to be just fine. Yeah. But it's still hard. And I think the more you care and the more compassion you have, sometimes that part is the hardest because you really do set out to have a business to create opportunities for people mm-hmm. and for yourself. 
And when it doesn't turn out that way, I think it's hard. Well, and I would say as a leader, the more you regularly coach your people, the less big, gnarly, difficult conversations you have to have because you're dialoguing with them on a regular, frequent basis. And that keeps the little problems little as opposed to postponing and waiting and letting them turn into something bigger that has a layering effect associated with it. So be a coach of your employees. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a powerful token of wisdom. Do you have anything else that you want to share with people who are listening who might be in a struggle? Like what is the first step that you tell people to support them in seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? I think the first and most important thing to do is to... Take a look inside, know yourself, know the attributes, the talents, the strengths, the resources that you have inside of you to draw from and then begin to cultivate those. Because from there, everything else will cascade in a manner that feels personal, that feels authentic, and that gives you the empowerment you need to be everything you want to be. But it all starts with you. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think that's powerful. Everything you've shared is such a great reminder for me. And I hope that for all of you listening, you've been able to take away some great golden nuggets. But don't forget that you have an opportunity to work directly with Sarah through her upcoming workshops. And remind us again where they can get all the information about those. So the Inspire Workshop in Cleveland, the website is inspireleaderexcellence.com. My website is intelligencecoaching.com, intelligencecoaching.com. The other conference, you can look it up online at the Junior League San Diego. It's called Leadership X. Perfect. Thanks so much for being here today. And thank you for all that you've done to impact my life. I am just so grateful to you. And thank you to everyone for joining us for Illuminate Greatness. Thank you, Jen. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit illuminategreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's illuminategreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.